855 sounds good. 855. 855. 855. 855. 855. Sounds good. Or 9. Alrighty. Welcome to the Dude Cast. Welcome to the Dude Cast, where just a couple of dudes uh, discuss some books. Yes, we do. Discuss and this some week's books. book was what? A Gentleman in Moscow, and I'm going to let you say the author's name because I could never figure it out how to pronounce it. I think it's Amor Towels. Or A-M-O-R. Definitely Ammer. Towels. Ammer. Probably Amor. Amor. Amor Towels. That sounds Ammer right. Amor Towels. Um, yeah, Amor Towels, A Gentleman in Moscow. Off the off, just the book and the book cover, the book title, what do you think, you know, first thoughts, first thoughts of the book? Um... I thought it was super funny and just like really delightful to read. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the book. I got a kick out of it. There's, yeah, it was just, it was a very nice read. I liked it. I don't read too much fiction and I really enjoyed this. Probably one of my favorite fiction stories. And I liked it because it, it, it was very much like, like the whole time I was reading it, I felt like Fight Club, like that type of a book or movie is like, this is teaching you how to be a man. Whereas like this was like, a gentleman's business is not this. Kind of like teaching kind of you how to be, be a gentleman, gentleman yeah. for sure. I, I definitely felt that too. There were so many times where I was like, I kind of want to talk like this. I kind of want to act like this. Like the guy was a hundred percent perfect gentleman, textbook gentleman, Yeah. straight definition <laughs> of a gentleman. It was actually, it took me back a couple times to just how like nice and gentlemanly he was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the summary of the book. So people that haven't read, which is probably the majority of our small audience. Um, You'd be surprised. Yeah, this is a very, very, very popular book. It is a very popular book, and like it was on like everybody's lists, like all celebrities and stuff. That's actually how I how I first heard about it was like it was Barack Obama's favorite book and like George Bush's favorite book. I want to say that it won a Pulitzer Award. Uh, I don't know. It would say that on the, or maybe it just got nominated. It, it had yeah. something to do with that. Um, so it's a very popular book is that, I guess that's how we got here and we got to this book is, um, you, you wanted to read this book, right? You had heard about it. It was something I've been wanting to read for a while. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I guess break it down for us. What's the summary? I like it when you break them down. Really? Yeah. I think you, you give it, you give it to us with uh, no fluff. Okay. I get, I run off on tangents. (laughs) Okay. So essentially this book is from the point of view of Count Rustoff. Um, he is a born aristocrat. He's a part of aristocratic family. And the first page immediately, it goes into him getting, he's in a trial and he's getting persecuted. Is that the word? Yeah. Prosecuted, prosecuted prosecuted for allegedly writing this poem in the 19, 19 teens in Russia. And he wrote this poem that was basically anti-establishment, right? Yeah, like anti-communist. Anti-communist, anti-establishment against the Bolsheviks. And so, yeah, he got persecuted. And because he was a part of an aristocratic family, um, he doesn't get put up against a wall and shot, mm-hmm. as they would do for most people. Um, what they did instead was place him under house arrest and for all of eternity and 
in the nicest hotel in Moscow. In the nicest <laughs> hotel in Moscow. But he was staying there. He had been staying there yeah. for a couple of years. So, like, that's his house. And we come to find out his actual birth house was burnt down in during a revolution, too. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that is his home, I guess. And so he got placed under house arrest and he doesn't seem that upset about it really. No. And like at, at the beginning, it kind of took me book, back that he wasn't so like mad or upset that he was getting placed under house arrest. Like yeah. he just kind of accepted it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was like, I think I underlined it. It was something like, um, you're either, you either master your circumstances or you, you're mastered by your circumstances yes. or something. Yeah. Like that. Something of that. Um, yeah, so he gets placed under house arrest in this hotel, and the book goes into his life. It kind of jumps around, you know. It'll go like day by day, and then there'll be a time jump where it'll be like a month, and then maybe another time jump, another ten years. Yeah, you know. So, so it's broken up into five books, really. Yes, and it just details his life within this hotel, the people that he meets, and he builds a whole life and a little bit of a family for himself in this hotel. And, and it's in Russia. So you get to see kind of, kind of like a lens through that time period in Russia because it's, you know, very close to the Kremlin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the hotel is really close to the Kremlin and it's a very nice hotel, very popular hotel. So there's a number of high society people that are coming through there from all over the world. And, he gets kind of like this foggied lens perspective on yeah, on, like on the world the outside of him. The outside world sometimes take effect in the hotel, but right. still the hotel is like it's very like enclosed system. I felt like yes, he's he's definitely secluded from society because under house arrest. But good quarantine read. Good quarantine read. That's that for sure. <laughs> no, not at all. The but whole time I mean, I was reading this. I was like, oh, this is a great like quarantine book. It, yeah, but also at the same time, it's not like he, he built a lot of relationships. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we couldn't do or shouldn't yeah. have done. I'm sure we all did at least a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the summary. And it just kind of goes through, pretty much takes us through his whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, did you, did you get emotional towards the end at all or? I there's definitely a, a number of spots where I got emotional. I was getting um, stirred up, like I was getting like passionate and just reading super fast. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's just start. For, let's see, like uh, book one. It's it's separated yeah. into five books. Let's talk about book one first. We uh, get to see him go through his trial, and he really. What was your ideas and like perspective on his I just trial? Thought he was just like like just witty and just like you know he'll die as a gentleman for as long as he lives as one, you know, mm-hmm. he's just like, I'll just I'll hang my hat on this and always act this yeah. way. And you don't find out later because he was making book. like the jury laugh and stuff yeah. during his trial. Like he was making jokes. He was like, I guess I wrote the poem. For yeah, yeah. I guess I wrote this poem and asked, <laughs> yeah. it's like, my name was on it. And <laughs> he seemed like he didn't care to me that no, he was he getting didn't care. Yeah. And, um, he accepted his new life, but like, one thing I was kind of thinking about is like, I wonder if he actually thought this would last because one of the things they constantly talk about and the themes that they constantly bring up is that how shaky that government is. Yeah, Russia is just, it's torn down and rebuilt up and the the change of hands and the change of leaders is so often. Like, I wonder if he was just kind of like, this will be a short term thing or what? For sure. I, I continued to think that way as well. 
but he doesn't really ever show that. He never really is like, uh, you know, t- counting down the day so I can get out. So I yeah. think he just really accepted his, you know, prosecution. Well, he kind of accepted it. Um, like from the get-go, it seemed like he just didn't but really. But he also just decided to kind of like plan out his own death. And like that was the end of book one was like I would be standing on the roof like I was going to mm. like commit suicide. And the only reason he didn't is because he met that nine-year-old girl and he like, he gets distracted. And then like all this, you know, all the little kind of gentleman tasks he has to complete. Mm-hmm. And then the people, there's the people in the bar who are like name three good things Rush has done. And he just can't <laughs> help himself but to like own the situation. Yeah. I think and, that that happens what in book two or three? Later yeah, but they on. allude to the fact that like he had been planning it in at yeah. the end of book one, I think. Yeah. Um, I guess another thing you could say about book one is like it's like he doesn't really care, but at the se- like that he's getting prosecuted, and he could be so mad and so anti-government mm-hmm. and so pissed at a situation, but he's not. He acts very gentlemanly, yeah. and he accepts the situation. <laughs> yeah, he accepts his situation, and he never once is says a negative thing about his motherland his country russia like and i thought that was something that i wouldn't have done Mm. i would be so mad at my current situation i'd be so pissed that i was getting you know locked down and and put on house arrest by my country for speaking out but he never once said anything negative about russia he was a countryman through and through he was yeah Yeah. and he was very like appreciative of russian arts and like history yeah absolutely he was definitely nationalistic in his perspective Mm -hmm. he he loved his country very dearly and that's something that i i couldn't have done in his situation what about you like did you think that was real do you think that was a realistic i think so i think that i think it was like um and one of his character traits that people talked about was how he like separates his buttons and I think yeah. he was like, he's an organized guy. Yeah. He was separating, uh, like he can compartmentalize like mm-hmm. being a Patriot versus like not agreeing with the current system. You yeah. Know? So I think that's kind of, it's what, sometimes what hard point. to separate those two though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of want to talk about like, so how did you feel about Nina? Like the little girl? Yeah. So moving forward book two, he meets Nina and I adored Nina anytime, <laughs> anytime she, you know, got on page on the page like she just immediately captivated me um i enjoyed every scene that she's in and she was just a pleasure to read she was so clever so witty and she's like this i think we meet her when she's like nine years old eight years old and she's just off the rip just super intelligent for her age and Mm -hmm. and she was just a joy for me to read yeah and I, i liked that um like one of the things he was talking about was like in each of these like famous pieces of literature they always have like this character that like humbles them or is like some point of contact mm-hmm. like in dante it was uh whatever that girl is he meets in hell or something um and each character he goes through and he's like nina is mine and like <laughs> it was pretty good to just see that um these characters they come into his life over a period of like years or months or something like this and he kind of just sits and does his life and lets the days pass and they just kind of enter at their own whim yeah, they they come and go yeah, as so seeing her come in at nine and then come in at thirteen and then come yeah. in at seventeen and then come in as an old an lady, adult, yeah. yeah, and just kind of seeing how the politics and the outside world had affected as her, shaped every individual, yeah. you know, as they come and go. Because then I think it's also in book two that we meet his best friend Mishka, and I knew 
first scene that Mishka's in that he wasn't going to be at the end of the book. Yeah. Like he wasn't going to be there. At the end of the he was just so idealistic and he knew how the world should be. And he had such high hopes. And I just knew from very early on that like, Oh, that's not going to, that's going to run contradictory to the Russian mm. revolution and Russian ideals. How did you feel about like, so like talking about how you're saying that, um, the count is very like, he's a very strong Patriot. And then, like, all of these other characters, it's like he's kind of unchanged in that. And all these mm-hmm. other characters, we the, see them come and we see them leave. leave. We see them get affected by the, the outside world and we see them come back. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of like this status of, like... He's the pillar. Of, like, of, Russian of, patriotism. Mm-hmm. And they're just, like, the... the yeah. You know, yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point. Because Nina, she's very, like, mm-hmm. you know buying as a young woman we see her buying into the ideas that the russian communist party is selling and then same thing with mishka like he is very excited about the trajectory of the future of russia early on in the book and then towards the end of the book we see both of them just be defeated you know to the point where they don't really bash their country because well you can't uh you could get shot for that but they're just so demoralized later on from what they have experienced outside. And yeah, that was, it's, both of them are a tragedy. Like seeing Nina, what she went through. Cause later on, should we just go ahead and say what happens yeah. to Nina's, Nina's fate? I'll start with Mishka. Mishka, very idealistic. He's got himself a position in the Russian government and he doesn't agree with censorship essentially. And he gets sent away to the gulags for what is it, eight years yeah, or something like that? I love the description of that where he was like, Where are you? And he's like, I'm in the place between where wheat's grown and bread is eaten. Yeah. And I was like, That's such a crazy like line. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like in the ether like and, not thought of in the ether in the in the, the realm and the of the way they described like Russia's the only country that perfected the exiling within their own country. Mm, and just the like, house arrest, yeah. Yeah, and like because if you exile someone to a, another country, they still have like a chance. Yeah, they could build a new f- future, a new identity and, for themselves. Yeah, it reminds me of like, um, you know, like in Chinese like re-education camps. So I've heard is that they, you know, they do simple tasks to make you like really love China. So like your first task might be just write a paper on, you know, why China's the best or something mm. like this. And so someone's like, oh, that's easy. I get to like have a nice meal and whatever. They do that. And over time, it just makes them really, really love China. And so what I was thinking. Brainwashing techniques. Yeah, so what, what I was thinking about is like if if they exiled them to like Paris, like the book said or something like this, then they, they can just start a new life and they can start new memories with Paris. Mm-hmm. But if they exile them to Siberia, then they all the people they miss and they're nostalgic for moscow which is the country that did this to them so it's kind of like this it makes them love their country even more even though the country's the thing that exiled them (laughs) and so i thought that was some perverse way yeah yeah, it's really perverse but it's a way of keeping everything like uh, in that singular kind of communist framework Mm -hmm. yeah because then we see Mishka only one other time. I thought he was going to die in in the camps, mm-hmm. in the gulags. But Mishka eventually comes back and they describe him as somebody that looks homeless. Yeah. And, um, you know, the count, the main character, our point of view, sees his best friend. And he's just so devastated to see him 
not pace. He, they described yeah. him as a pacer. Um, he couldn't pace anymore because his leg was given out on him, probably, you know, destroyed something in his leg. And he was just so devastated and distraught to see his friend so torn down. And he, he said in that last scene we get with Mishka, he said something that really shook the count to his core. To me, it seemed like he shook the count and really started to make the count rethink, you know, what Russia is doing with themselves. And Mishka says something to the effect of like, we're the only country that loves to destroy their beauty or what Mm -hmm. they've built, what their art, you know, Russia, we love to set fire to, um, just what we've built. And I thought that was interesting too. Was it love to, or like, he says a number of things because he goes off. So the, the story, as I remember it is like, the story of Napoleon because it's like when um, the count was in the bar and like he corrected those guys about these are three things. Yes, like that rushes. He was like, oh, I thought of more. One of them is, you know, how we stood up to Napoleon because Napoleon and I don't really know the history of this. I'm just gathering it from this book. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I'm I was kind of like a little side note. I was kind of embarrassed how little I knew it about like learn, Russia right? history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so my understanding is that Napoleon was going to go conquer Moscow and he did, right? And apparently, the or book he, says he did. He did but, conquer Moscow, but the citizens... The citizens were like, F that. Like, yeah. we're going to burn it to the ground. And they slaughtered thousands of their own mm-hmm. uh, cattle. So, basically, he conquered nothing. Yeah. Right. If we and can't so, have it, yeah. you can't have it. And then they there's lots of different perspectives on it, because this really strikes the count, and he talks to other people. And, um, you know, it just kind of goes into that same framework of just like, yeah, we're used to tearing down statues. We're used to censoring our own art and our own. It's almost a part of their culture own, and history. Yeah. It's yeah. like a poet. They you either watch them get censored or you wait long enough until they censor themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of like um, his main protest was in that like silence. For sure. Um, so I, I thought that was super fascinating too. And like, how did you feel about the scene in the uh, the winery? Like the wine. Oh, cellar. oh yes. Oh, so that was so cool, right? How he found the bottle, from, or from like a literary perspective, I was just like, oh, like that's cool. Yeah, that that really messed me up. Uh, I would preface it because with this, because the reason why these all these wine bottles got dislabeled, mm-hmm. it was like over what, like ten thousand or yeah. something like that. It's so something ridiculous, he's a, right? He's a connoisseur of wine. Yes, and he the count loves is. fine wine, and he's he's in the restaurant in the hotel, and he's ordering something. And then, you know, the, the waiter breaks down and is like, I have to show you this. He goes down to this massive, beautiful wine cellar where there's wine stored for, you know, you know, really expensive wines, really old wines. And they're all lost because they took the labels off. They and they had to take the labels off because it round, uh, it was contradictory to the Russian regime. Yeah. So in the, the way that. Uh, that came about where those people or the hotel was told to remove those was something directly, kind of indirectly, the count's fault. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But did you pick up on that? It's Mm -hmm. like, so like the count um, 
when he notices these two people having a date a oh, year yeah, past. Yeah. And that's the that's the And I thought character. that was so beautiful is yeah. like is like these two people having a date and I thought really highly of that scene. I was like it made it me want to go scene. on a date. I was like, "Oh my god, like the way this yeah. date's getting described, like I literally hit up this woman and I'm like, "Hey, I need to take you on a date and do this 100% <laughs> right." Like and it's booked. That date is booked. But like it really spoke to me that scene. It was such a beautiful scene. And then come to find out it was the it was the waitress yeah so so what so happened the, yeah. was the, that uh, the count was seeing this kind of younger guy taking out a nice lady on a date and he just he wasn't a gentleman yet he was just a young guy and the the waiter wasn't doing a very good job of suggesting a wine he he didn't pick a nice pairing the wine was out of the obviously out of the guy's yes. uh, budget and so and the younger man was kind of fumbling and bubbling yeah, so didn't know what to pair it with and gives a nice suggestion and that sparks like this arch enemy mm-hmm. uh and he calls him the bishop which side note i just love how he kind of early on in the book put out that footnote was just like saying that um russian names were very intimidating to western audiences because that's so true. <laughs> it's just another name I, to I've learn tried it's to hard to, yeah. and i'm just like who are all of these people yeah. like who is this alexander tetrov and yeah. alexandria like you know on it's hard to keep up with yeah. because there's so, so many he did a really good job things. of keeping like all of that yeah. in shape and i love his description of this this guy who takes offense to the waiter who takes offense from this, uh, he calls him the bishop mm-hmm. and says he always seems to like move diagonally towards him. And like uh, he like relates it to chess in this really nice paragraph. But yeah, yeah. that's the sparks his like yeah. uh, arch enemy throughout the book. And so basically because the count stepped in and helped the young man order a wine and basically I guess the bishop took it as a slight the bishop went and told Team Russia, mm-hmm. and Team Russia <laughs> went and told that hotel to remove all of the labels off these mm-hmm. wines, and basically we're only allowed to serve red wine or white wine. Yeah, and you can't you can't figure out what is what. Yes, it's and, and I, <laughs> I loved kind of like seeing how his reaction, like as a gentleman, and like if you have like a fine understanding of fine wine. A fine understanding of fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> An appreciation <laughs> of a fine wine. We'll say that. Ron Burgundy came out. But um, anyway, so it's, I could, he's saying like, you know, um, all of these wines, they really hold, a, they capture like a They have a story. In time. Yes, yeah, they, they have, have a story. story. They have a personality. They have a location. They have a history. And just kind of seeing him break down from that and like, you know, just another wave of like, um, erasure of mm-hmm. you know the past and like that's just a common theme that I keep seeing in this book was just like erasing of the past and yeah. building something new that was like yeah I think that was the big start for the yeah. count to realize like oh shit and it, I thought it was great of Amor towels to pair a beautiful scene a beautiful dating scene and then have that scene come back a year later and cause you know uh you know something terrible to happen yeah. with all these wines. Well, everything was art. so nicely entwined. Like yes. it, I just, yes, I just loved it from like just the writing standpoint. Was so it was just so good and mm-hmm. so rewarding to like move on and like he did a really good job of doing callbacks and like this little piece of information will come back later and mm-hmm. it was just really it was nice in that way too. Yeah, so. We will get to the bishop, but let's go back and because we talked about Mishka and how that was his friend that 
solid tragic end. Now let's I would say let's move on to Nina because Nina, we can yeah. we can move from Nina to Sophia. So we see Nina, you know, grow up a, like a precocious little kid and then she's really really into studies mm-hmm. and um she kind of like gets this passion about being a part of like I'm guessing some sort of like resistance a little bit. Um or she and her husband. Well, yeah, but we don't get to see that as much as like I saw it how she was she was employed by the Russian government to mm-hmm. go with this group of younger people to go tell these farmers that, hey, we need to get y'all up to speed. We need to um, get y'all new technology to farm so we can mass produce mm-hmm. um, all these, um, what's the word? I'm like, agricultural goods. And so we can feed all these big cities. Mm-hmm. And... I guess somewhere along the way, you know, and this is true about Russian history, these farmers didn't want to comply. So they put all the farmers into the gulags and then they replaced them with people that could not farm, did not know how to farm properly. And then it caused a lot of starvation within that country. Millions and millions of people died because of it. Um, And I guess somewhere along the line, we don't see this in the book, obviously, because we have the perspective of somebody stuck in a hotel, but (laughs) Nina and her husband, I guess, realized that that is evil and wrong to really put these people in a camp. So they saw something, yeah, which is crazy because we see them, we see Nina specifically so spirited and gung ho about going, but to, also just kind of like dispassionate. Like she's passionate, but like not sentimental about it, and just like yeah, it's cold. It's cold. It's scientific. cold. Like yeah, this is the this is the cause and effect. Of what's she knew what it needed like to be done, and that's what she wanted to go off and do. And she thought that she was, you know, doing something for the greater good. And yeah. so she left. And dropped off her little girl with the count. Yeah. Well, pause. Pause. I feel like when I heard Nina, you know, talk so passionately but cold about and scientifically about wanting to go off and, you know, do something for the greater good, do something for my country, do something that needed to be done. And being that she was like 19 or 20 at the time, it reminded me so much of like... I think she was Wokester. older than that, though. No, no because no, no. she had she had a five year old kid. Not at the time when she was leaving. Oh, not at the time. I'm talking. Leaving. I'm I, talking before she. Yeah, got yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Stuff. When she, yeah, it reminded me so much of like wokesters nowadays, <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna call it that. Uh-oh. Wokesters about to get canceled over here. <laughs> But it reminded me so much of them because they want so much to have like a passion project. They want so much to be. It wasn't Nina, but like Wokesters, you know, they want to be oppressed. They want to have a cause. They want to have, you know, a mission. And that's just not there today. And I feel like if well, they yeah. were to to go out and try to accomplish their mission, they would ultimately see like, oh, this is. Yeah. And it. that's the main criticism of the Count. And like when he talks to the other people in the hotel who saw her grow up along with him. And he's like, I think, you know, in her drive, she's just missing her youthful joy. Yeah. And like, there's one of the lines that I thought was really, really good. Um, and it's someone explaining later uh, to him about how to deal with kids. And she was like, you got to realize kids actually want to be happy. And like, 
that's something that like you know as opposed to adults don't want to be happy right mm-hmm. and that's something that i saw in nina as she got older was like she's not even trying to like enjoy her youth she's too busy like being serious and matter of fact and scientific and i'm going to go out and fight for this mm-hmm. cause that is really like you know not worthy yeah yeah and so yeah so to get back to the story nina she she eventually comes back into the count's life very briefly and she's like hey my husband has been arrested and sent away to this camp and i need you to watch my daughter sophia mm-hmm. and the count's just like okay <laughs> okay you know he's a little hesitant at first and i thought it was really funny because like he he um super hesitant and he's like i don't know what to do and he's stuck in his ways he realized like oh i'm like 40 something years old almost 50 years old and like now i've got this little six-year-old spunky six-year-old that's also very precocious and and going to be needing me yeah 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 (laughs) um but i love sophia as much as i love nina Mm -hmm. like i thought every time she was really why would you say that because uh, Nina just got too serious too fast. Yeah, like, so you couldn't appreciate her as much as Sophia? It just seemed like she didn't have time. She didn't have time of day for the count anymore, you know? Like, they had a nice relationship, but mm-hmm. she was very. she just was very serious. Whereas, like, Sophia was her... Her character was kind of predicated on games. Like, you know, being sneaky... You know, they have a conversation game that they always play um, with each other, things like that. Yeah. I guess that probably just has something to do I'm with how they were raised. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I also, like, I couldn't help but, like, look at that stuff and try to think of, like, like each character seemed to embody, like, some aspect of, like, a Russian metaphor to me. And, like, the Count was kind of like this state, like, stasis um, of Russia, which, you know, is the hotel. Which mm-hmm. is this luxury hotel that he said has sister luxury hotels in all these other major cities, and so like I kind of saw him as kind of like this, this like uh, like kind of what I said earlier, kind of like this pillar of Russian culture, and then all of these characters kind of like navigating around him were these other aspects of Russian culture, and so when I saw her, it was like um, she's a very very beautiful kind of a Russian, bright light in the yeah dim a area. beautiful Russian artist, yeah. but she doesn't want to leave Russia right yeah. and like. That it was, but it was during this time where it was like Russians were being able to like expand, expand a little bit, but under them. still under the thumb under of the thumb, yeah. of Russia. Um, yeah, so Sophia grows up with the count um, because, well, Nina and her husband apparently uh, die or something. Yeah. You don't hear he doesn't hear from them again. He tries to reach out and find them, doesn't hear from them again so we can assume that they were shot and i was really sad about that but i'm glad it didn't go into detail it kind of just glossed over it really well, i mean i think that's just the reality people just yeah. disappear they just disappeared <laughs> yeah. and especially from a guy that can't leave a hotel yeah. you know so i'm glad it didn't go into detail any more than it did obviously but because well, i was really sad i liked Michigan you know died, a lot it was like the wife came and visited yeah. him. But at least he had a, like a little bit of a... But like they never talked about Was it. that his wife? I wasn't sure. Karina? Yeah. Uh, they. Or were they just like... I don't know. Some I sort of lover. I thought it was a wife. 
I thought it was a teacher student thing. <laughs> definitely a lover. Okay. <laughs> For sure a lover. I'll go with that. Um, this still could be a teacher student thing. I don't know. But yeah. I really I really enjoyed the fact that uh the count never actually wrote the poem. Yes, and that's what we find out. That's like I think one of the most important points in the book is like and it gets that's probably like towards book 5, right? Yeah. Like right towards the end. Comes to find out when he finds out that his friend Mishka has died. Um, it comes to light like, yeah, he, he, <laughs> he wrote this poem and we, we were, they were drinking, right? They were yeah. drinking, having a good time. He, uh, Mishka, his friend wrote the poem that got, uh, the count, uh, prosecuted and p- yeah. under house arrest. And, and so that just adds to the fact that he's the uh, luckiest person in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he does it for a good reason, right? Mm-hmm. Because Mishka is not an aristocrat. He doesn't have a name to him. So if he was the one to write the poem, they would have shot him. Yeah. They wouldn't have put him under house arrest. And yeah. That, but I, I, I thought about like, you know, that's a really that, good friend. That's a really good friend. <laughs> for sure. But the fact that he was in house arrest the whole time, um, it makes him luckier than just being a normal Russian citizen. Because it's like you hear kind of these things that other characters have to go through. And there's this section, I don't remember what book is it's in, but it was talking about how um, like everything in Russia is a line. And like all Russian citizens are just, they've become accustomed to being in lines and to chatting and to getting to know each other in like the milk line, the bread line, the, oh, the, yes. clo- the yes, clothes yes, yes. line, the bedding line, all these different types of lines where it's like, Russia is just one big line of people talking yeah. and like waiting for things. <laughs> and I, I really like that description about like that. And then how he's just in this hotel getting all of the nicest of the nice stuff. That's true. Yeah. And did you think, so uh, the count ends up uh, working for the hotel mm-hmm. and he just slid into that role too. Yeah. I mean, he's a gentleman. He became like what, a, a server. So he's a gentleman, you know, and he became a server and obviously it spent ample amount of time within the, you know, the uh, restaurant that was attached to the hotel or whatever. Um, but do you think he, he picked up that job to have add a little bit more purpose to his life? Or do you think he picked up that job? Cause it's like, Hey, you're kind of living here rent free (laughs) like a little bit of both here and like you know better than anyone that we hired because it was kind of like in the previous books it was kind of like he was annoyed with the waiting staff yeah so i think he was just like i'll do it he he was annoyed with the waiting staff and then he also it it says in the book that he kind of felt like a ghost that people were just kind of like not not acknowledging him and he was just kind of like living there now and he didn't sad yeah (laughs) dude i was like damn so but also a part of me was like, oh, he's doing it to be able to live there rent free, right? Like, because I was thinking about that he at the very be beginning. Rich, though, too. And just had, like, he bought that room or something. As if but then he got removed from his family room, right? Yeah. I don't know. They never really give the logistics on how it all works out and plays out. Mm-hmm. I think it was just kind of like, you know, how you would house someone in jail and pay for their food and stuff. I think that's kind of how they were viewing the hotel. Yeah. But I mean, still, but he, he was working. eating and drinking every night like <laughs> yeah. that. That caused money, you know? Yeah. So I'm sure he was doing it to like pay his dues. And mm. it seemed like he was family with all the people in the hotel. Yes. Yeah. He, he gets a, also a, a very strong relationship with uh, the head chef and then like another server. Yeah. Right? And he's got he's got a good tie with someone in the government because 
he's help he's schooling them to learn like yeah the niceties of western culture and stuff yeah like that. i really like that guy and i thought it was also very interesting that like they kind of had to do they had their meetings about western society in secret you yeah. know what i'm saying mm-hmm. because obviously you can't just be promoting that this guy that's really high up in the russian government is actively seeking out the intricacies of western society yeah. and culture yeah and i think that that's a totally you know it's on par and categorically like russian is like anything that's western culture anything that's like western lifestyle or deemed as luxurious or pretty or capitalist is just just shit on the entire time yeah like throughout the entire book yeah and like one of the interesting footnotes was like the people who did live in luxury um it said something about like the barcodes under their furniture or like the the product numbers under their mm. nice beds uh said that it was owned by russia yeah so they could feel good that they were on like the people's team bed russia and not their bed yeah you know and I, I thought that was such an interesting twist yeah it was i laughed a lot with that guy saying the i think his name was it a mill it wasn't a mill the politician guy yeah it was olif Olive. Or like Otif. It was some Otis. Yeah, you're right. Something. <laughs> yeah. And he ends up even helping them. Um, there's a scene where Sophia, they're playing a game where they're running around, like trying to play, basically play like hide and go seek or tag within the hotel, the count and his goddaughter. And she like slips and falls, hits her head or something, bangs her head on something. And she needs to be, go to the hospital immediately. And so the count picks her up wisps her away to the hospital the closest hospital that he knows also funny that he was like i made a mistake this is this beat up uh, hospital but at that point i was like oh he's he's screwed did you think that as well did you have like some i was like oh this guy's gonna die yeah because he left the hotel for his daughter and it's like and i thought it was charming that he never even thought like never even thought about it he just went ahead and which you would do right yeah because at that point she had transitioned from calling him uncle to papa or papa. something. So papa. it's like he, he's that's his daughter. Yeah. But and I liked how he transitioned into like an actual like dad dad like getting mad at boys. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like cover up your back. Yeah, cover your like, back <laughs> up. I don't want you going out dressed like that. Um but yeah, his friend that works high up in the government made sure that he didn't get in trouble for you know, having to leave yeah. the hotel for that. And, but for a little while I was really like, I was like, Oh, is this, is this coming to an end? So what are like, they going to do to him? Like make you think about like Russia. Do you think as far as like, as a people early a Soviet union or like now? No, like, like what the book setting, you know, like, and then maybe how that leads into now, like your thoughts on it. <sighs> Because like we already that talked about collectivism it, yeah. type country, it it kind of makes sense on paper, like it kind of does. But then when you read stories like this, you start to see how it's just not practical. And yeah. to get there, there's so much blood and suffering, gossip. Yeah, gossip. I love the <laughs> I love the thing about like after Stalin died and like all of the people. <laughs> they didn't like, know. Yeah, after Stalin dies, they don't know who's going to be seen top. That movie Death of Stalin. Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, dude, it's so funny. It's it and it reminded me of this like that that dinner meeting that they had when they were like launching. The, who's going to set up the head of the table? Yeah, yeah, dude. So that's what that and they're all like looking about like looking at each other and like gossiping and like who's more Russian and like you know that type of stuff. <laughs> 
yeah. well that's what makes me laugh is because like and like you can read this at least i did i was reading it like okay this is about quarantine and all these stupid little like um you know rules and communist rules and like you have to say comrade and you can't like anything from the western world and you can't talk about germany's bread being good or yeah. something like that it just reminds because me russia of, has the best it bread. reminded me of quarantine and like everything we went through this summer of like oh you yeah. can't say that you can't do this you can't do that and i was just like this is a perfect like almost cookie cutter match of like what's going on on a micro scale. No doubt. No doubt. I would also say that just speaking about Russia and especially early on in the book when it talks about the Bolsheviks a lot, mm-hmm. um, I saw a lot of George Orwell's animal farm in it because mm-hmm. the Bolshe- yeah, yeah. the Bolsheviks, they came in with the Russian revolution. It was, you know, down with high society people. Mm-hmm. That's what it was all about. It was about, getting rid of the people at the top and being there for the, you know, working class man. And then you see just all these heads of state and heads of, you know, secretaries of, you know, whatever become exactly what they aim to destroy in the first place. They just replace the families that were, you know, the aristocrats and which is obviously what animal farm is, you know, all the pigs ended up being the humans that were running the farm. Well, I mean, that's the big thing about like, leftists in general is like they don't hate the people in power because they're misusing power they hate the people in power because they want to be because they don't have the power yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and so like that's you know that's played out in this book a little bit you know and it's it's interesting to see how it kind of plays out in real life too when you look at politicians but yeah yeah, i was just curious to see like because i mean this book made me really really want to go to russia i really it made me want to go and like just meet the people and Cause I've met some Russian people, but not like a lot, you know? And, um, in terms of just like seeing the architecture and like seeing the Kremlin and everything, I, I got really, really curious yeah. just by reading this. Yeah. The hotel I was thinking about. Yeah. Like what's the hotel look like? The hotel. Like, and is this a real hotel? Do you know if it's a real hotel? Yeah. I think, I think it is. It's gotta be right. Right. Yeah. Um, and also it just seems so beautiful so perfect to be a movie. That's also what like, I wanted to talk to you about. It's definitely going to be um, a movie. So yeah, I looked into it. I didn't think I was going to ask you before I had looked it up. I was like, would this work better as a movie or like a mini series? And mm. I think it would do really, really well as like an HBO or like a show, like a mini series, six hour. I bet it's going to be dude. And then I looked it up and when the book got first published, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of talks about it uh, being a mini series for, I think Apple and, but that was back in like 2016. They even, uh, had casted count Rostov, um, Amar Tows he tweeted out that they had casted um, the douchebag in Harry Potter, the second movie, the second <laughs> no 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 the second movie, uh, the guy that fakes his wiz- wizarding credits. Oh yeah yeah yeah, uh, I know who you're talking about the so red-headed guy. It was blonde. It was like strawberry blonde. Strawberry blonde. Sorry, it's bl- it's blonde. I'm actually it's all blonde. I just didn't want you to think it was str- red. Anyways. Um, <laughs> trying to help you out here but yeah they counted uh they casted that guy as uh count rustoff but that was back in 2016 and they haven't really talked about even, it I don't, since. I don't think i didn't see that's not who i would have guessed i would have guessed me, someone more russian looking let me let me I know who you're talking about though rustoff actor oh um that's not what i'm looking for um 
nonetheless, yeah. I mean, maybe I, I that's think something more Russian. In, this guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, I think it would function really, really well as a uh, as a mini series. Mustache though. Oh, uh, the scene about his mustache was hilarious. Yeah, the scene talking about his mustaches and like it, it was nice to see it be brought back up when he gives the count gives a picture of him and Mishka, the only picture he has of him mm-hmm. to his daughter when his daughter's going away to be a uh, piano star. Gives him a picture and he has these funny mustache. <laughs> and, yeah. and I thought that was uh cute how Sophia was like talking about his mustache and being like, where'd that go? And he was like, you know, when I was a younger man and that was like the first thing that her mother, Nina had brought up yeah. when she first met the count was and like, has, where'd that mustache go? It has this strange like <laughs> philosophy throughout the book where it talks about like, he's always looking at cause and effect and he's always like saying that, you know, all these different philosophers have their philosophy. There's a lot of dominoes. Like, that, and he's like, yeah. my philosophy has to do with temperature. And like, you know, temperature raising five degrees brings people out into the parkway, people mm. out in the parkway, people are meeting. You the know, way the they, seasons change. Yeah. And he's, yeah. and so like having like, he always goes back to like, well, if this would have happened, then this would have happened. And this, so you can tell that he's definitely someone who's been in like, a long period of like self-reflection and like looking back at like cause and effect and how things play out. And I think that's kind of like another metaphor for Russia. And like, that's kind of how I just kept reading. Everything was just like, it's, it's just something that constantly unfolds and like becomes different throughout time, but not necessarily like for rhyme or reason, but you know, eventually there is one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I took note to that philosophy too because I thought that was interesting. Because he, he he brings actual real philosophies that have you mm-hmm. know been time tested and through and through. And he talks about those real quick, and then he's like, "But my philosophy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is more in tune with the weather." Yeah, and yeah, I like that. I like this book, man. I like I said, I don't read too much fiction at all, um, but when I do, I hope it's at this level, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it, it met my, pleasurable ex- to read. And yeah. He, like everything was a turn of phrase and like the, the dialogue was so like witty and you could smile at it. And so yeah. It was just good. It was very time. clever. And it, it, it made you think there was a lot of, you know, times where I like paused and was like, huh, that is very interesting. And take yeah. note of that, you know? And it was like, have just having such a well-spoken narrator throughout, especially towards the end, as it got kind of like emotional, uh, was really great for me because like I started to get really moved and I, I know we talked about this earlier but like when he was talking when he's talking to Sophia about like you can tell he's choked up and he's having that fatherly like I don't know how to approach this or how to say this but like I'm really like happy for you and I think you should take this risk and I think you should do this mm-hmm. and like the nice like turns of phrases and like how he's so gentle with her and it just choked me up towards the end because you, you'd seen the relationship and she doesn't want to leave and like yeah you know but and then hidden to the audience they've got this major plan you know yeah they have a major plan should we give that away should we give the the end of the book the major plan away if they've made it this far (laughs) um yeah so basically sophia his daughter goes off on like a piano like a piano tour right Mm -hmm. and um the moscow orchestra whatever the moscow orchestra and and she ends up in paris and she ends up getting away and going to the like U.S. embassy, mm-hmm. 
and sneaking off and getting her freedom, getting separated yeah. from the Russia government. Meanwhile, back in the hotel, the bishop character. <sighs> that was sees. so fun. That's what I was like. Yeah. Oh, this could totally be a mini series. Yeah. Like that epi- like that those scenes would be great on TV. Yeah, so like he finds the master plan of what they're planning to do to escape. And uh, the count ends up doing something that his daughter used to do, which is like run the corridors and like end up in a room faster than him. And he's he gets like these old pistols and holds them yeah. at gunpoint in and, his like, own office. Yeah. And he's just like this guy that's been coming at him at the pretty much the whole book. You know, this rivalry throughout the whole book um, finally accum- uh, culminates. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that right. Um, to this sh- like kind of like showdown between yeah. the bishop well, and, and like, the gal. The whole time I was reading the book, I was like, "What's the what's going to be the drive here?" Because yeah. what's the it was just pleasant. It was just yeah. pleasant, and then there would be kind of like some unpleasantness and be like, "Oh, that's Russia," and then like it'd be really <laughs> really pleasant again, and then some unpleasantness and like, "Oh, that's Russia," yeah. and I didn't I didn't like, really see what's it gonna yeah the fate of our character yet and, yeah and they didn't really explain any of the planning. All of a sudden, it was just. Like there happening. it was just yeah. there and it was yeah like you said it was and happening so it made me want to go back and i would like to reread some see if there's of any it. easter eggs yeah uh, yeah of like the, the conversation of the guy, guy in the embassy and him being like i would never do that but then like they still kind of have this conversation they had to have come to some hidden you know coded <laughs> agreement somehow yeah, or something where it's like hey get me out of here <laughs> yeah so like i was wondering about like a reread and if he dropped any nuggets and i just didn't pick up on yeah and then that's that's another reason why I think that would be so great to on like a miniseries because oh, dude, that's what be, you do. Honestly, I felt like this would be so much better on the screen because it was so vivid. I could just see it, you know, yeah. well displayed. There was a lot of packed detail in there. I just like I said, I really enjoyed this book. I would probably give it. I can't stop looking at this guy's mustache, the actor that's supposed mustache. to play Count Rustoff on my laptop. <laughs> but I would think I would give it four and a half mustaches out of five i'd agree with that assessment four and a half i'm just looking back here to see stuff that i highlighted oh let's talk about his uh uh, one of the funniest things to me about this book Mm -hmm. was uh the scene with his lover the first time the first time him and um anna who is this actress Mm -hmm. uh they see each other um and it's pretty funny how they meet too, because like her dogs are on the loose running amok throughout this hotel and mm-hmm. the count just stops them in their tracks. I mean, just like, yeah. And he's obviously trained around dogs and he's like, uh, get your dogs under control. And then she invites him up and she seduces him. And I thought that was hilarious. Cause like you see the count's yeah. point of view where he's like, I'm so like one step behind this whole time. Like, and she's just been seducing me. Yeah, I like that. Cause it's, you know, as a guy, I think we can both relate that it's like, and the way he talks about it, it's like nice. as a gentleman, you've got to be vigilant and you're always looking you're for the, like, usually the seducer the driver of mm-hmm. like the night and the evening. And then, like he but wasn't when somebody's leading the dance yeah when somebody else is leading yeah. the dance it's 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 you can be left in the dust real quick and so yeah i i, I related to her and the fact that obviously she seduced him and stuff but then uh they have this night together they share a night together and he's leaving her room and she, he the count picks up her dress off the floor like a nightgown mm-hmm. off the floor and like hangs it and he doesn't think anything about it, and he just walks off. 
And then she has like <laughs> four, four, fa- four or five pages like of a meltdown <laughs> of like thinking like, oh, that's, you know, at first she's like, huh, she, he picked this up. That's nice. And then he continues to, she continues to think about it. Like, why would he pick that up? I didn't ask him to pick that up. <laughs> What a dick. Why would he do that? And she just like has a whole meltdown. She, she starts throwing her clothes yeah, on the she, ground. She, she's just like, I'll put my clothes wherever I want to. And then like her maid's like, pick those up. You're not a child. Yeah. So then she really loses it and takes all her clothes and throws them out into the middle of the street only to later come to rationale and be like, okay, and goes and picks them up in the middle of the night. And yeah, I thought that scene was so hilarious because that is something I would do. Like if, if any one night stand like went out of her way to kind of do something nice, I would be like, Oh, that's nice. But then after a while, after she was gone, I'd be like, why'd you do that? Who she she, she she thinks she is? Exactly. I thought that scene was so hilarious. Because that's good. something. There's exactly tons of funny scenes in there, man. Yeah, it was tons of funny ones. Some of them were like really subtle too. Where it's did you like, understand oh, that's the duck hilarious. one? What was going on with that duck scene? I don't know who let the ducks out. They never, <laughs> <laughs> they never, they never explain it. Yeah. I'm guessing it was her, and I'm guessing it was just like he. It was like I. I'm guessing it was so you could see the count's love, like blinding love, like it could never be my Sophia. But it wasn't you know? just him that didn't think that. It was like other people yeah, too. But, but maybe so those other the people. Bishop, you think the bishop guy did it and then tried to blame it on? No, as I say, like, like you said, maybe is the count was blinded by love and was like, my daughter would never release these ducks and cause a ruckus. And then when count goes and gets validation from his friends. Maybe his friends just don't want to oppose him and be yeah. like, oh, no, man, your daughter would never do that. Deep down, they're like, I mean. Everybody loved her, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody in the hotel loved her and enjoyed her very much. I enjoyed her very much. I enjoyed both her and Nina. And no, I really, good book. the book was great. The book was great. Definitely, um, I would say it's like a good kind of companion piece to a lot of like other Russian literature stuff. Sure. Where it's like, Absolutely. you can read this and be like, okay, this is. This is the sophisticated 20th century. It's a 2020 or a hindsight 2020 type book, right? Yeah. yeah. Or, well, it's just like the sophisticated viewpoint of like what happened in Russia. And mm-hmm. it's, I think, you know, for someone that doesn't know a whole lot, it was nice to kind of see this gentlemanly character kind of, um, you know, see everything from a bird's eye view sure you know and and like kind of and that the fact that he's a russian patriot too he's not he's not actively bashing his country and wittily wittily comment on everything and ultimately want to leave Mm -hmm. um but not leave uh russia Russia. doesn't leave russia not yeah not leave russia but like go find his you know freedom and happy place Mm -hmm. uh within the country yeah but and also i think eventually he does leave i think he goes wherever sophia does yeah probably i think he just i think he wanted to meet up with um his lover well and and they touched on that in the afterward or something being like everyone that goes and visits their place of nostalgia their place of home they don't stay long yeah yeah so i i think that was the kind of end thing but the psych out going to the Scandinavian countries and then actually going deeper into <laughs> Russia. I thought that was a good psych And it was out. basically based off of, uh, what was the movie? Something Blanca, uh, Blanca, some old timey movie. Oh, Casablanca. Casablanca. I'd, n- I'd never seen the movie. Have you? Yeah. Casablanca. Yeah, yeah. So is there that part in the movie where like the whole like little spying thing? Cause like, 
the spy completely stuff, outwitted them. The spy and stuff like, and the trench coat and the yeah. oh, and the way that the communist perspective was on Hollywood as only seeing it as like a vehicle of propaganda, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> like oh, you dangled all of this fantasy in front of them in front of and during the depression, so yeah. they wouldn't like rise up against you. Oh, the irony! And then <laughs> and then they talked about the uh, film noir about how it's just so matter of fact, like this is capitalism and it yeah, hurts. and showed all the like terrible the things of capitalism. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought that whole dissection was good too. Ah, oh, there's lots of things that I feel like we're gonna talk about after the pod. Yeah, like, we're gonna oh, be like, oh, shit. do you remember this too? Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. It was just all around solid book. And so, who would you um, give this book to? Who would you say could oh, read this? I thought book? about a lot of people. I really wanted, I really wanted to give it to my dad. Um, and just kind of have him read it because especially the part where he would probably definitely like it. I yeah, could see your dad and like the it. part where like he, where he was saying, "Oh, am I set in my ways?" When I was younger, mm. I used to be so like, "Oh, people can come over, whatever." I see that in my dad, you know, because he had lit, he's been an empty nester for a while, mm-hmm. and like we got my sister's got kids, he's got grandkids. He's and organized when and he's they in come his ways. over. I can yeah. kind of see him just being like, "You touched my things." You know? <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, I wanted to give it to him. Yeah. Um, Maybe not just like specifically people you know. Who do you think this book could be read by? Like just a general general audience. Um, I think this would be a really good book for anyone interested in like. You know, the current politics, like I said, I thought it was a good quarantine read. Um, But I think you do. I think it is enlightening to kind of have the, as I said, this accessible kind of like communist uh, encyclopedia where Mm -hmm. it's like you can kind of walk in and not really know anything about communism or about Russian history. And you can just be charmed by this 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 pro, uh, protagonist and then you you pick up some things along the way yeah and like that's that you know I, if you're interested in that yeah absolutely i think one of the greatest things i could say about this book is that it doesn't just beat you over the head with communism bad you know what i'm saying it's very yeah. it's very subtle it's very just like hey this is how it is this is just the facts of of what went down mm-hmm. how this is it, they never just like overtly was just pushing the idea that you know cause, communism sucks you know what i'm yeah. saying and and, I think and like, so i really appreciated that like i would you know that was one of the better qualities of the book i would say yeah and i love that because it's like you know when when you're talking about russia or china to people in america it's like they just oh that's those are shit places yeah it's so easy because like you know when in reality it's like actually they've contributed a lot one and the people are great the people there are just civilians by and large it's just getting by yeah so it's like i i really don't like that especially i see with older people or younger people too just people who are you know this is a good entry book to like getting cultured i would say because it's like you need some of that culture and like you know, he'll, he he dabbles in French all throughout the book. He dabbles in like, you know, uh, classical music, U.S. culture, yeah, classic, yeah, movies. It's all like dabbled in there. So like, this is a really good, accessible kind of like way to get cultured. I would say. Yeah, I would say this is probably a Ladude cast audience book if we've ever had one because I, I would say this book could <laughs> would probably be probably be aimed to like a mid twenty to. 40 50 year old bachelor you know what i'm saying i'm mm. saying you're not a bachelor but, but like you you get what i'm saying like if somebody saying. that's like listening to this podcast if they are listening to this podcast regularly 
it's probably somebody that good, could like, read this book yeah, and and get take away exactly what you'd be looking good, for out of this podcast. Good manly values and like yeah. virtues and like just like how to be a gentleman. Like I said at the opening, I just kind of felt like as I was reading and as you were saying, it's like, man, I I want to be someone who you know drinks the right drink at the right time mm. wears the right thing at the right time sits people nicely so everyone has a good time knows exactly what to say and when to yeah, say it appropriately and polite and you know yeah appropriate and proper it's the business of a gentleman to be that it's way the business of a gentleman <laughs> man. I, I, I literally there's so many lessons in there I can't too wait to say that like somebody yeah. says like why are you doing this it's like it's the business of a gentleman it's to the do business this. Of a gentleman. <laughs> yeah no doubt but lots of good things and it says it right here rules of civility you know it just says it right True. on the, right on the I, Yeah, I don't have that cover just on my book, but yeah, rules of civility, no doubt. Um, so what's next? What's next for the Ladude cast? What's next is Band of Brothers because Memorial Day is coming up and I wanted to read a book about a, a great president after this book, after Gentleman of Moscow. I kind of wanted to, you know, talk about one of the great classic American presidents that we had, like either Theodore Roosevelt or um, Harry Truman, yeah. yeah, you know, just somebody else. But I feel like Band of Brothers, or just like a, a book about you know our fallen soldiers, you know, our soldiers that have given everything, um, should be the next, being that Memorial Day is upon us. I concur. I concur. So if you want to listen and you want to read along with us, um, Band of Brothers will be the next podcast. What else we got to say? I'm trying to to close it the way that our count would close (laughs) How the count. I think we should have a nice cheers, you know, to to the top of the glass and the bottom of the glass. And (laughs) I don't know, something he would say. Yeah. He had good cheers. He had really, like, life-affirming cliches. Yeah. You know? And, like, I think... Very unique to, like, Russia and him personally (laughs) and his higher class family. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought something that I kind of want to do and pick up on now, because I've had a, a few friends that have passed away, or just like if somebody passes away in the book, every, uh, on the 10th year of their passing, the count would drink like some special wine or yeah. something like that. Like that's that's kind of like 10 years. And you right? wait 10 years, and then you and your family, your friends, mm-hmm. people that knew that person that's passed would have a drink of, you know, a special mm-hmm. drink or something. Like that's something that I, I kind of want to pick up on and do, you know? Yeah, man. Well, I can say that it was a joy to read the book and it was a joy to read it with you. And I feel like we've got this secret kind of language now between (laughs) us that'll be fun to have. No doubt. And uh, yeah, that's it. Four and a half mustaches out of five. Read this book, y'all. Read it and weep.